Matthew 15. Grace, if you, if you wouldn't mind turning me down just a tiny bit, that'd be good. Thank you. Um, we've been continuing our, our sermon series on the book of Matthew as Matthew has been introducing the reader. He's been introducing us to Jesus. And particularly, over and over again, he's been emphasizing the fact that Jesus is the one who fulfills all of the promises from the Old Testament, all of the promises God made to his people that, that he would send his Messiah who would come to save them and to give them life, and that promise is for us as well. He's been, Matthew's been showing us all sorts of a variety of responses to Jesus, those who have been crowding around him and seeking him for help and healing, those who have been loving him, and also those who have been hating him, those who have been um, just making plans to try to destroy him, those who have been suspicious of him. And as we look at Matthew 15, we're going to look at the first 20 verses, there's a, a group of, of guys, of these religious experts, these religious, uh, uh, the, the Pharisees, these teachers, who, who come from Jerusalem. They make a trip from Jerusalem in order to investigate Jesus. And, they, and, and as they observe Jesus' disciples, they, they don't really like what they see. They're like, does this guy really know what he's doing? And Jesus, as he always does, he takes this as an opportunity to teach, to teach them and to teach his disciples, to teach us. So listen to God's word as I read Matthew 15, verses 1 to 20. It's, it's printed in your order of worship if you'd like to follow along there and you don't have a Bible. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you've made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know what the, that the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we think about these words for the next few minutes, that your spirit would work a mighty work in our hearts, that you would show us more of you, that you would show us more of what we need to see 
about ourselves, that you would bring us to a point where we are more willing to entrust everything, to surrender everything to you, and to love you as we should. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I am sure that you guys have all been dying to know how I've been getting along with my exercise bike at home. I mentioned a while ago how we got a treadmill, you know, like 20 years ago, and it ended up just being like a hanger for clothes and stuff, and we ended up giving it away. Um, and, but I did mention that I do have now an exercise bike that I've been trying to use to try to stay stay in shape a little bit and get some exercise. And, uh, and that's the thing about physical exercise. You know, the amount of the, what you're going to get out of it is directly cor- correlated to what you're going to put in. You know, the more effort you put in, the more benefits you're going to see, the more results you're going to see. And I, and I know that because my bike, I, I got this bike to be motivated. I got this bike that has a little TV screen on it, you know, and, and you can pay to, like, follow these trainers who ride their bikes all over the world. And, and, and you, so you watch the video and you ride the bike and follow them, and they're constantly, like, yelling at you and encouraging you. It's mostly encouragement, you know. They, they rarely shame you, you know. But, uh, but they're, they're constantly being like, you know, yeah, this is going to be a great workout. You know, you're going to only, you know, you're just going to have to work harder. They're constantly telling you to like pedal harder, pedal faster, pedal harder, you know. And, and, it's, and, and they're saying, you know, because the more effort you put in, the better you're going to feel, the better you're going to, the, the more shape you're, the better shape you're going to be in. And, and it's impossible to argue with them because as I follow along behind them, they have these like muscles bulging out of their calves, right? They have muscles bulging out of their muscles on their calves. <laughs> And, and they're like, you know, not even breathing hard after 20 minutes of riding, and I'm like exhausted. And, and then, you know, 25, 30 minutes into it, they're like, isn't this the best, you know, the best exercise ever? Isn't this the best ride ever? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> this is awful. This is excruciating. That's how I'm feeling. I'm, maybe at some day I will get to that point, but I have been faithfully riding my bike like three to four times a week, so that's been good. But I, I'm not yet at the point where I'm like riding 25 minutes and being like, that was awesome. <laughs> Maybe someday. But that's the thing about physical and, and about a lot of things in life. The more effort you put in, the more you're going to see results. And I think that is true to a degree when it comes to our spirituality in some areas. Like the more effort you put in, the more results you're going to see. I, I constantly remind people as they join the church, you know, um, you're only going to experience as much as you're willing to put in. You know, if you put in more effort, you're going to experience more um, of love and grace and community, things like that. So there are aspects of our spiritual life that the more effort you put in, the more um, rewards you're going to reap. But I don't think that is true of everything. Um, I would even say Jesus says that's not true of everything. There are some crucial aspects of spirituality that that is not true for that actually that kind of gets in the way. And I think that's, that's what Jesus kind of um, has a conflict with these Pharisees about here in this passage that we just read. Um, he, he basically, uh, the, the Pharisees, what they see, how Jesus' disciples aren't washing their hands according to the tradition of the elders. See, what the, what the Pharisees had done is God had given the Israelite people his commandments, the Ten Commandments and then a bunch of laws in the Old Testament that, uh, that he gave them in order to follow, to, to know him and to try to honor him and to listen to him and obey him. And, and some of those commandments weren't as specific as they could possibly be, so it left a lot of questions, you know, am I really observing the Sabbath if I'm doing this or doing that, you know? And so these Pharisees, they, they came up with extra rules, 
to say, okay, um, I, I'm, I, in order to obey the Sabbath, I have to make sure that I don't walk this far. You know, I can only walk this far, and then if I walk too far, then I'm not really obeying the Sabbath. And, and so they added these extra rules, and, those are, and that's what he's referring to when he talks about the tradition of the elders. One of those rules was like washing their hands before meals. Um, in, the, in the Old Testament, the, the law that God had given is that the priests had to wash their hands and feet before they entered the temple to serve God. But the, but the Pharisees like, well, if it's good for the priests to wash their hands, then maybe we should all be washing our hands as well. And so they, they added that you know, as another rule, as part of their tradition. And, and the Pharisees were really, really good at putting a ton of effort into keeping all of those commands. And that's why they were so quick to, to question others when they didn't. They were so quick to judge others when they didn't. They were so quick to judge the disciples when they didn't. And... And, and so even though they were, they were putting all of this effort in, the Pharisees, you know, I, I don't think the Pharisees were, were like any worse than anybody else. They weren't more evil than anybody else. I think they were very sincere people. And they were putting all sorts of effort into, into trying to be holy and be acceptable to God. And yet Jesus says of them, as you look down in verse 13 and 14, he says that these guys, the things that they're teaching that's not really planted by God. God's going to uproot what they're trying to teach. He actually refers to them as blind guides, you know? As I think about, you know, my, my bike riding es escapades, how, how would it go if they hired a trainer who couldn't see, who was blind, to try to lead me on a, on a, a ride through, like, the desert in Utah? Um, I, there, I did this one ride where they, they, it's called Slick Rock or something like that, where there are these petrified sand dunes, and there's just like all, over all these like little tiny bumps and hills, and you're like going all over the place. And you know, if, if a blind person tried to ride that, they wouldn't get further than 10 feet before we were both in a ditch and bleeding. And that's what he refers to the Pharisees as. They do not know where they're going. They might say that this is, it's, it's all about effort. It's all about trying really hard to be really perfect. But that's not going to get you where you really need to go. And that's uh, religious effort is only going to get you so far. It's not enough for some things. And I want to just focus on two things, I think, that I see in these passages that religious effort is not enough for. That's imp important for us to see. Um, so first of all, religious effort is not enough to bring you close to God. Religious effort is not enough to bring you close to God. When the Pharisees ask Jesus why his disciples are ignoring the traditions of the elders, Jesus does what he often does. He, he doesn't give them a direct answer. He answers them with a question. You know, he's like, why are they ignoring the, the traditions of the elders? And Jesus says, well, why are you ignoring the law of God? And Jesus actually points out here that their traditions actually undermine their ability to obey God's actual law. Um, one of their rules, one of their laws that they came up with is, is that they could take their things and their money and, and declare it as a gift to God. And so nothing else could touch that stuff. But the problem was, Jesus pointed out, you know, this is a good command to, for us all to be you know, thinking about on Father's Day. Um, Jesus says, you know, God said, honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. And, and that means something different for all of us as we grow throughout our lives. But back then, especially as you got older, one of the ways you would honor your parents is by helping take care of them, by financially helping care for them. 
helping provide for them. And yet the Pharisees were saying, um, you know, well, I've designated my stuff, my things, as a gift to God, so I can't give it to my parents to help them. And so by doing that, they were actually weren't obeying God's law. They weren't obeying God's law, even though they made it look like they were. They weren't. And that's why Jesus ends up quoting this verse from Isaiah, where it says in verse 8, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In spite of the fact that the the Pharisees have put so much effort and worked so hard at keeping all of their tradition, their hearts are far from God. The fact that Jesus confronts them this way, first of all, I think it's encouraging to me because it says something about Jesus. It says something about what God cares about, first of all. He cares about us being close to him. He cares about us being close to him. That's what he cares about. He's not interested primarily in a bunch of people who are just doing the right things, who are doing a bunch of things, who are, who are like perfectly obeying him. He's interested in people who want to be close to him. He's interested in people who have hearts who actually care about him who care about what he cares about. That's what he wants. And no amount of religious effort and obedience to all sorts of little details and laws makes us automatically close to God. You know? And I say that's, that's encouraging to me because uh, as, as I think about, you know, as I think about celebrating Father's Day, I know um, a lot of us, have great fathers. A lot of us have fathers that leave a lot to be desired. But one thing that I often hear people say, and maybe this is changing as, as, uh, as our culture changes a little bit, but, but I, I often hear people talk about their dads and say, you know, I know my dad loved me and, and he did so much. He served me in so many ways. He, uh, he sacrificed so much to, to take care of my family and, and me and my, my, my siblings and everything. But you know what? I never really felt like I was very close to him he often felt kind of distant. And I think that's, that's kind of a default for a lot of us dads, you know, to think that, that primarily the way that we love our, our family is just by doing stuff for them rather than also trying to draw near to them to make sure they, they know that I care deeply about who they are, that I, I want them to, to know me and be known by me, to, to be close to them. Um, and so I think that's convicting maybe for, for us as fathers, that, that you know, being a father isn't just about doing things to provide and having the right answers, but, but actually taking time to make sure our kids actually know that we want them close to us, that we want to be close to them. But I think that's also encouraging because God is the perfect father. And that's exactly what he does. Not only does he do everything to care for us, not only does he provide for us, not only does he sacrifice for us, but he also wants to grab us and bring us close to him. To know that we are deeply loved by him. And that's incredibly encouraging. He he wants us to, to have intimacy with him. But also, I think this is a there's there's a major warning here. Um, as Jesus confronts the Pharisees. Um, 
when he says, the people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, it, it's a reminder of the fact that it's entirely possible to do a lot of religious things, to, to, be, to put a lot of effort in to my religion and my spirituality, and yet to not actually be close to God at all. It's, it's possible to be a regular churchgoer and not really to be close to God. It's possible to volunteer in the children's ministry on a regular basis and to put a lot of effort into that and actually not to be close to God. It's possible. It's possible to sign up for a mission trip every single summer and, and do a lot of things to help people and not to be close to God. It's, it's possible to put a lot of effort into studying my Bible and knowing the details from cover to cover of my Bible and still at the same time not to be close to God. It's possible. Why are we doing these things? It's good for us to ask that question of ourselves. You know? Why are we seeking to serve others? And all those things are good things. Of course, they're good things. But why are we doing them? Why are we doing them? It's possible to put all sorts of effort in and not to be close to God. And that is what God wants. That is what we need. We need a heart that is close, that cares, that wants to be near God as much as possible. Um, the other thing the Pharisees missed out on was that the religious effort is not enough to, enough to make you clean before God. Religious effort is not enough to make you clean before God. The problem that every single one of us has underneath every other problem of our lives, the problem that every single one of us has to deal with is what the Bible calls sin, our sin problem. And this isn't the fact that we just do bad things once in a while, you know, I yelled at my brother and I hit him, you know? Um, it's not that we do bad, it's not that we, you know, swear once in a while. Um, it's that we have a heart that is turned away from God. A heart that would rather say, I want to live my life the way I want to live it. I want to live primarily for myself rather than surrendering to God in every area of my life. I want to live for myself rather than submit to God as I think about the things that I want to accomplish and the things that I want to do and the things that I want. That is our problem. That is the problem. And one of the ways that God wanted to teach the Israelites about this problem is he gave them a lot of laws that had to do with being clean. Um, they, they, you know, he, he would, in the Old Testament, there would all, be all sorts of laws that if you, if you did this or, or, you, or you got too close to this sort of person, that you were unclean. Um, that's what the, the washing laws were about for the priest. You know, the, the priest washed his hands and feet to go into the temple to be clean before God. And, okay, this is the thing. The washing of the hands didn't actually make the priest more worthy, didn't actually make them sinless, it was just a symbol. It's a, it was a reminder. It was a teaching thing to teach the priest and the people of Israel that they weren't clean, that they needed something to clean them in order to come into God's presence. That's what the purpose of those laws are, to remind them of how 
sinful they were and how they needed to be cleaned and forgiven. And yet the Pharisees had taken that law and then added other laws to it. So they, they viewed like the fact that they were washing their hands before a meal, that's what made them clean. That's what made them worthy. They were looking at that physical act as the thing that made them acceptable and holy. But they had gotten it all wrong. That, the, the whole purpose of that was to remind them that they weren't. And Jesus then says, as he gets down into verse 10, he's like, guys, it's not what happens on the outside of you that makes you unclean. It's what's on the inside of you that makes you unclean. It's what's on the inside of you that defiles you. It's what's in your heart that defiles you. And you can tell that your heart is defiled because of what comes out, not what goes in, of what comes out of your mouth, of what comes out in your thoughts, of what comes out in your actions towards other people. Jesus said, it's, it's not, this is the thing. To be clean isn't just simply about, you know, washing your hands. I mean, I've, I've done some things, you know, I'm, I'm not the most handy of people, but I do some things occasionally that I get like grease on my hands. And it's really hard to get off. But you can buy something at the store, you know, like Gooby Gone or something, you know, to, to get that. And you eventually, you can get it off. Or, or like I'll be mowing the grass and I'll fill the, fill the gas tank and I'll get gas on my hands. It's the worst. You know, you can't, it's so hard to get that smell off your hands. But, but with enough time and effort, you can get the smell to go away. You can become clean. But this is the thing. Jesus says the way to become spiritually, spiritually clean isn't by an, a bunch of effort of just scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing. You cannot buy gooby gone for your heart. Your heart is filthy. And it's, a, it's in a place you cannot reach. You cannot clean yourself. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good things you do, no matter how nice you are, no matter how much you might try to clean up your language, you can't clean your heart. You can't. And at first when I read this, I, I just kind of, I love that Jesus has kind of given it to the Pharisees, you know? That's my first reaction. I'm like, those Pharisees, they don't know what they're talking about, and Jesus is putting them in their place. I love that Jesus is just putting the smack down on the Pharisees. It's always nice to see Jesus do that, Right? But I don't think, when Jesus says this, I don't think he's encouraging the disciples to feel that way. He's not encouraging the disciples to be like, yeah, we don't have to wash our hands. I think Jesus is trying to teach the disciples something too. He's trying to teach them all, you know, not that, the, not that the Pharisees are filthy and the disciples aren't. They're all filthy. They all need to be cleaned. If the disciples are really listening to Jesus' words, they're going to be like, oh man, yeah. When I think about the stuff that comes out of me, Jesus is trying to, to help them see that they all are helpless in the face of their sin. He's trying to teach them. But again, I'm, I'm encouraged because it, it shows me, again, what Jesus cares about. Um, again, he, he, he doesn't care primarily about what's on the outside of us. You know, in a world where we are encouraged to try to pretend for other people constantly, to try to put the best foot forward and try to impress people by the, by the things that we do, right? Jesus says, what I care about is what's in your heart. What I care about is what's in the core of who you are. I care about the real you. And again, that's encouraging to me to hear that. But I think, again, we also have another warning here. We have a warning. He says that what comes out of the heart proceeds from the, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. 
And it's the heart that defiles a person. He's not inviting the disciples, as I said, to pile on the Pharisees, but rather he's inviting them to see their own sin. And I think he's inviting us to see our own sin as well. Okay, he gives us this list of sins here, right? In verse 19, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. But, but before we even get to there, I would encourage you to spend some time meditating on those things. How, how are those things displaying themselves in my life and, and demonstrating that my heart, heart needs to be cleaned? Just at verse 18, he says, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Um, it might be as simple as this. Just look at what comes out of, your ha- out of your mouth. Just think about what has come out of your mouth for the past 24 hours. If you want to know how dirty your heart is, Seriously, pay attention to what comes out of your mouth for a day. Just try to pay attention to it. If you have a a recorder, maybe record yourself for a day and then play it back. Um, How often in the past day have you found yourself saying something negative about somebody else, complaining, grumbling, um, criticizing another person, um, saying something hurtful, Maybe trying to say something funny at somebody else's expense. How often have you spent time, you know, with your words, justifying your actions, trying to make excuses, trying to blame other people, right? And uh, forget about the, 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 the negative stuff that comes out of our mouths. How often, if, if we really have a beautiful heart, won't beautiful things constantly be coming out of our mouths? How much of what comes out of your mouth is beautiful, how much of it actually helps people around you? How much of it is encouraging? How much of it is really a blessing to people? Right? And so if you actually really pay attention to what comes out of your mouth, <laughs> there will be no question for you that your heart needs cleaning. And, and, and no amount of volunteering or helping other people is going to solve that problem. There's no amount of religious effort that will clean our heart. And that brings me to, just real quick at the end, what is the solution? I mean, I think a big part of it, we need to realize that no matter how much effort we have, we put forth, it's not going to get us close to God, and it's not going to clean us up before God. The answer is in the person who's talking to the people right here. Jesus is so able to authoritatively tell these people um, that they cannot clean their hearts because he is the only one who can. He is the only one who can. He is the only one who is able to reach into our hearts and make them clean. He is the only one who is able to, to seek us out and pull us close when we have run away. And, and I'll, just, I'll just finish with this, this one verse, or a few verses, from Hebrews 10. Listen to Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 22. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22, if you want to write it down. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, 
right? He's, he's establishing. This is, this is why he's about to tell us something. He says, because we have a, a, a person who has died for us, who has shed his blood. Jesus has shed his blood, and he sacrificed himself for us. And he is a high priest. He is the one who stands between us and God as the mediator. He tells us to do this in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We cannot clean ourselves up. We cannot do enough to get ourselves close to God. It's a matter of trusting in, resting in the one who cleans us, in Jesus, the one who has sprinkled us, our hearts, through his blood, through his death on the cross. That is what brings us close to God. That is what makes us clean before God. That is what washes us of our guilt and our shame. He invites us to come close to him today through the blood of his son. Will you run to him? Will you run to him? Instead of trying to work your way to him, will you run to him? That's all you need to do. And will you enjoy him on this Father's Day? Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us um, as we think about Jesus' words here to see the value and the beauty of what you want for us to be close to you, to enjoy what you have won for us, to, to be free and to be loved. Father, we pray that you would save us from making our religion about the stuff that we feel like we have to get done. And instead, enjoy the relationship that you offer us. The love that you want to pour out on us. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. That it's all because of Jesus and Jesus alone. That our hearts can be washed clean. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are now going to spend a moment celebrating the work of Jesus, the fact that he has done everything for us. And uh, before we do that, if you did not receive the elements on your way in and you would like to participate and you need the elements, just raise your hand and uh, Glenn will get them to you. Does anybody need them? Just raise your hand high and he'll bring